1: Are Locked on pack. I feel like we can run the table. What are we gonna do? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: We're Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, Yahoo's Eric at home to talk about this NFL draft, places of need for the Packers, something that we're going to talk about more on Friday, and some players in this draft to keep an eye on guys who might be interesting to Green Bay, who might fit what they're looking for as we try and figure out uh, where this, this defense, could be looking to add pieces. I think that's the most fascinating part of this offense. What is that going to look like? Decisions to be made on players like Chandon Sullivan and what that means for the draft moving forward. Speaking of that, and before we get to Eric, I was wondering as I was laying in bed last night, uh, because these are the thoughts that run through my head at two o'clock in the morning, does the cap actually impact any of the decisions that green Bay is going to make about their own free agents would having more money actually materially affect the outcomes on these decisions. Corey Lindsley is an offensive lineman who would be getting his third contract. If you go back, Ted Thompson did that basically once And it was with Chad Clifton in a unique situation late in his career uh, to try and win a Super Bowl. David Bakhtiari was a third contract, but he is, if not the best left tackle in the game, one of the two or three best at an absolute ultra high-end premium position. Center is not that. And they already have at least two guys that they know can play center with Elton Jenkins and Lucas Patrick. Plus, John Runyon Jr., might be able to do it, and they used a draft pick on Jake Hansen last year. So even though he didn't make the roster to start the season, he could still be someone they develop over time. Corey Lindsley was just really never going to get an opportunity to come back at almost any number, I don't think. And he shouldn't take a hometown discount. He should go get paid. Offensive linemen, go get your money because the wear and tear on their bodies is... Just incredible. It's incredible. And you see guys like Alan Fanica lose a bunch of weight when they get out of the game and, and they get healthier. And it's, it's not hard to see why. The amount of pounding and, and physical play that they have to endure is remarkable. So go get your money, Corey. It was just never really going to be in Green Bay. And Kevin King, he played his way off the team. I mean, the, he just wasn't good enough. And, you know, on a really on a, on a one year prove it deal, maybe they say, hey, you know, can you come back? I don't, is that one year, three million, one year, four million? Is that worth it? If you're the Packers, if you could get a better player for a million more I, to me, it just wouldn't have made sense. I don't think and and I, I don't think Kevin King would want to be back under those circumstances either. So that leaves the running backs. I do think the cap. It will play a part in, you know, the numbers that are being discussed here. If the Packers had a bigger cap, maybe they would say, hey, Jamal Williams, come on, Pack. But Jamal Williams might get six, seven million dollars a year. And that just seems like an unpalatable number for the Packers to give a backup running back. I mean, Aaron Jones is probably going to get 12, 13, 14. That's reportedly what he wants. He wants that Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara type number. Green Bay was just just never going to do that. Even with the full cap, they were never going to do that. And they've had conversations and I think they've, you know, they've made it clear what their number is. You know, it's more in that like 10 million range, which is still a lot for a running back more than I would advocate paying. Maybe they do land on the franchise tag. Maybe they do ultimately decide, you know, if there's not a, a, an option out there, a longer term option that, you know, Green Bay decides, hey, look, this is what makes sense for us. We can make the money work and there's not anyone in free agency that we want to sign. So let's do this for one year, try and go in a Super Bowl. And then, you know, you're going to get your, your guaranteed money and then you hit the market again. It's not the best option for Aaron Jones, but it might be for Green Bay from a cost standpoint. For me, I just don't see that. And and Green Bay never uses the franchise tag, so that seems pretty unlikely. Uh, I know this is a unique situation, given you know the twilight of Aaron Rodgers' career and and you know trying to to go capture th- these last few seasons. I just find it hard to believe that there was ever going to be um, a, a common number there, especially when you fire your agent, you hire Drew Rosenhaus, you're going for the throat. You want the biggest number you can get. And guess what? If Miami's going to give it to him, go get your money. Running back is is much like offensive line. The pounding that these guys take, these are short careers. You know, running back after 30 is, you know, not usually a particularly useful player. So you have to get all your money earned before, you know, you're 27, 28, because teams are just not unless you're the, you know, you're the outliers, you're the Adrian Petersons, teams are just not going to want to pay you for for really much of anything. Beyond that, I mean, I do think Big Bob Tunyon is gonna get his RFA tender. I don't think Shannon Sullivan was ever gonna get more than, you know, maybe his original round tender, which is nothing. And and you just say, hey, if someone signs him, someone signs him. I think that's where Green Bay is gonna be with Sullivan. I think Sullivan is probably a little bit underrated by fans and media. I thought he, you know, he was not as good as I thought he would be, certainly not as good as he was in 2019 in a much more limited role. But this was a big step up in responsibilities. Plus, he's playing in the slot in a defense where you have another corner who's a major problem. And, you know, I think when you have those kinds of issues, maybe you you call games a little bit differently. I'm not going to put all the blame for for Janet Sullivan's uneven play on Mike Patton. But I still like the kid. I still like the ability, the playmaking. He is a playmaker. And frankly, I think in a new scheme, a scheme that is going to be much more zone coverage for him in the slot, that that could be something that that really stands out and, and helps with his, his playmaking because that's the best part of his game. The instincts, the playmaking. You know, he's not an elite change of direction athlete. He's not an elite short area quickness kind of twitchy man to man guy, but he can be explosive. He can cut. He can undercut the ball. He can make plays on the ball. He's got really good ball skills. So maybe that's the best place for him. Either way, I don't think Green Bay was ever going to put together some sort of monster offer for him. And maybe they give him like the Geronimo Allison where you give him a little bit more than his original round tender, but not quite the second round tender. You know, there is that weird middle ground that you have to try and find. Maybe that's something that they can do. Maybe that's something they do with Tanya as well to avoid paying, you know, the the second round tender You try and give them, you know, a little bit more, a million and a half, two million versus the tender. You can't give them the original round tender or the second round tender. You could, you know, give them somewhere, something in between there. And and maybe that works out. And then, you know, in a year you go test your market. I think that could be something that's mutually beneficial. I'm looking at these names going, I don't think anything's changed. Now, it changes what they're able to do in free agency. Not signing their own guys, but bringing in new guys. And last year, they didn't have very much cap space, but they had enough to get Rick Wagner, Christian Kirksey and Devin Funchess. Funchess opts out. Kirksey, you know, was Kirksey in the second half of the season. He made some plays once he got basically benched and demoted um, and and played that will role that is probably better suited to his talents. Anyway, you had Chris Barnes in that Mike linebacker spot and, you know, that he he played over Camille Martin, who they just didn't trust to have on the field consistently. Not that he was worth the money, and, and certainly, you know, he he is not going to be on the team. And so, it's not like that was some superstar signing. But Rick Wagner was a big deal, and to have enough money to sign him ended up being a big. He played sixty percent of snaps. I mean, it's having him on the roster was a huge boost for this team. You, you miss out on the opportunity to just grab those guys when you're having to, you know, go go through roster machinations to try and add a piece. Because now you're like, okay, we got to push money out. We got to restructure Devonte. We got to restructure Zedarius. We got to we got to advance Aaron Rodgers' salary. Stuff that maybe they they were not ready to do or didn't otherwise want to do. Brian Gudikin said that they have had some conversations with guys about restructures. Um, remember, they don't have to to get permission from these players to turn salary or bonus, you know, roster bonus into signing bonus. They can just do that, assuming they have the cash to do it. So. That's something that they don't need the player's permission to do, but they still don't necessarily want to do that. You're pushing money out, and that's just not really how Rust Ball operates. So it hurts your flexibility going into free agency to add pieces. But in terms of player retention, I really don't see that it had a a material impact on the guys that Green Bay was going to bring back. This is going to be, I think, a Ted Thompson-like offseason, which is not going to be music to the ears of a lot of cheeseheads, In that the main development for this team is going to come in the draft and not just the 2021 draft, but the 2020 and the 2019 draft. If you get that step from Rashawn Gary, you know, with starter snaps, if, you know, uh, AJ Dillon in, you know, role where he's getting 50, 60% of running back snaps looks like the guy we saw against Tennessee over the course of the season. You know, now you're backfilling that stuff. If John Runyon Jr. is for 16 games, the guy we saw him in more limited snaps for, you know, four or five, six games, and then whatever they're getting from this 2021 class, the corner that you draft, the safety that you draft, the receiver that you draft, those guys, you know, that's going to have to be how you make this team better. Now, look, that could be enough. This team was really good last year. Uh, I expect them to be really good Again, so, you know, maybe that's enough. And Brian Gutekinds was clear, you know, they they can they can do it for one guy. If there's a guy out there that they think they can get for a reasonable price or a price that that suits them, they're willing to do what it takes to get him. My guess is they have a name or two in mind. And so long as the numbers work, they're going to try and get him. Brian Gutekinds has been aggressive. I do think there is a move that could be made. But, you know, he said it. They're not going to be able to do much and so you add maybe one player. Maybe that maybe it's Curtis Samuel, maybe it's Will Fuller, maybe it's Richard Sherman. And that one player is an impact player. Maybe it's Xavier Rhodes and it's it's a little bit more of a lottery ticket, although he was much better last year. And by the way, much better in, in a primary zone scheme. So, just just something to think about here as we're heading into free agency. I don't think it it really, you know, affects what's going to happen in March. But as we think about the roster building of this team, I think it is important to to note that it isn't the cap crunch that's going to cause a lot of these unrestricted free agents to go elsewhere. It's just that Green Bay was probably never going to sign them. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action you want. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they're all back. College basketball is really heating up with March Madness coming up here pretty soon. Get everything done in one place. All the sports with Bet Online. And right now, when you go to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today, by the way, free to sign up, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, when you use the promo code Locked On, that's right—they're just going to give you money for signing up and listening to our show. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code Locked On to get that fifty percent deposit bonus.
1: David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty-one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer. one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
2: all right let's get to my conversation with our pal Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports uh, covers the NFL Draft. For them, you can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm e d h o l m. Eric, thanks for coming back on Lockdown Packers.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. It's been a little bit, and it's uh, great to be back. What's up?
2: Not a whole lot. We're trying to we're trying to figure out uh, what the Packers are going to do here in a post JJ Watt world. <laughs> um, finally, finally heard from the new defensive coordinator, um, and got very little information out of that conversation, I think, frankly. Um, but it, it, this is a part of a new era for this team, at least defensively, as you are putting together, you know, you have to do mock drafts and, and you're scouting these guys, uh, as you're thinking about this team, where are the the spots where you think, Hey, this is, this is where they could really use a boost.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's hard not to look at the, the, the playoff game and say, okay, they can use a corner. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was obviously something that came out of that one. I know, you know, you guys have probably been griping on some level about inside linebacker for, for a couple of years. And, and, you know, I, I would think those are, those are spots that you'd like to see a little more help. And I would probably throw defensive line in there just to give Kenny Clark a little bit more help. And, you not knowing, you know, what restructures are going to happen and who's going to get cut and who isn't and all that sort of stuff. You can never have too much help up front. I would throw, you know, maybe even another rusher into that mix and then you know, offensively, yeah, receiver sure, right? I don't think that's changed. I wouldn't say it's as as massive a, a, a hole as some people think, but it's it's something they would probably want to look at this year, especially after not taking a receiver last year, it's another good group this year. Um and then probably what offensive tackle I would guess would be another spot that I would that I would kind of earmark
2: yeah yeah, the the first three were music to to fans ears. I know that I hear from from Packer fans all the time that are like inside linebacker, defensive line, all that stuff. Right. I, I just don't know if the team like cares that much about those positions. Um sure. at, at least not right now. And and certainly Mike Patton didn't. We'll see how Joe Barry feels about it. I think there is a, an easy line to draw between. Oh, hey, he's a linebackers coach. They might want to get better there. I think he did allude to that a little bit. That you know you can't teach. Um, the, the intangibles of awareness and instinct—you either have that or you don't—and yeah. he bring that up because he's not sure their guys have it, and and maybe uh, Zayvon Collins or someone like that does. We don't know yet, of course. Um, yep. When you when you look at this draft class, are there of the positions that you mentioned maybe at the top? some spots where you go, okay, here, it would really make sense for green Bay to target this range for these guys. Cause this is where the value is.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think with, with cornerback, it's interesting cause it, you know, I, I think a lot of people will tell you that there are three at the top and in whatever order, whether it's Patrick Sertan, Caleb Farley. And, and I, I would throw JC Horn in that mix too. I think he's a really good player. Um, there's a little more variance on Horton's grade. Some people love him. Some aren't as quite as it's feel like he's sort of still developing. I don't know that any of the three are going to be there when they pick in round one. So the question then becomes, do you love Melifonwu from Syracuse or is there, you know, are you going to go for a different body size than they've typically gone for, which is, you know, maybe a Asante Samuel or Elijah Molden or something like that. So, it's a tough spot if they're staying put late in round one to say that there's a you know a surefire hit at corner there. But I could I could see a couple guys factoring in there. Um, you know, receiver I think is you know you could you can find talent throughout the draft at that position. So if there's somebody you love there, you know if Rashad Bateman is your guy, I'm just plucking a name out of a little bit of thin air. But if that's the guy you believe in, not with me, he's my still guy. There, <laughs> Get your guy there you go so you take him right and he's my guy too i think he's gonna end up i want to say somewhere in the 19 to 22 range overall for me i like him that much so um but that's also a position that if you're you know if you see some of the other spots open you could probably wait on and be okay at so I'm a little bit you know i mean I, I could see the case for either way offensive tackle you know that that might be a spot that really kind of perks their ears up if one of the group of, you know, Tevin Jenkins, Christian Dara saw Jalen Mayfield. Those are guys that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. So I could, I could justify one of those in that range
2: as i look at this receiver class and and we have seen you know historically day 2 is a great day to to find value at yeah. the receiver position green bay has been sort of the masters of doing that going back to the ted thompson era I think what, what they're missing offensively at the receiver position is one of those run-after-catch guys, someone that you can just yeah. throw that smoke screen to or a little um, slant using jet motion and just go have them go make a play with the ball in their hands. To me, there is this group sort of in the middle rounds, in third round, fourth round, fifth round, where if they're willing to go a little bit outside of their usual body type preferences – There are these guys who could be explosive with the ball in their hands. Who are some of those guys that you're you're looking at going, hey, if you just sort of put this guy in there and let him let him run some jet motion and some screens and some slant like that could be a guy who could come in and give them something a little bit different.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that. And and one of the more unusual body types for that for that position this year is Amari Rogers from Clemson. Mm -hmm. Almost built more like a running back, you know, kind of Debo samuel in that regard in the shorter but big, thick, stout frame, but also can get vertical. So he's a fascinating prospect. If you want to go smaller, smaller, this kid Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan really intrigues me a lot. You know, he's played corner in the past. His development receiver is going to take, you know, some time. His route tree may not be complete by the time he walks into the NFL, but boy, he's got the Jets, and he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, other guys who kind of fit into that mold, maybe more towards the second, third-round range, but still, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, electric. Go turn on the Alabama tape. It's really exciting stuff. Uh, Diami Brown from, from UNC, I would probably put in that, uh, that, that kind of s- spectrum. You know, and then there's the – Extreme example, I guess, would be Tutu Atwell uh, from from Louisville, who's a hiccup. I mean, he's just so, you know, liquidy quick and, and a, you know, a burst player. But he's not somebody who's going to, I think, withstand a lot of pounding in the league at whatever he is, 170 pounds or whatever. so yeah,
2: soaking wet, holding his luggage, I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. With, with his, uh, his six-inch lifts on his feet. So, yeah, it really does limit what he can do the high end obviously would be Kadarius Tony from Florida who's you know kind of played that Percy Harvin role there and was electric when he was healthy.
2: Do you have one of my guys this year is Demetric Felton. Do you have him as a, as a running back oh, or a yeah. receiver?
0: I I mean I I I hedged and said RB hyphen WR, you know. But it, it is fascinating to see how they used him, right? at a couple, you know, different uh, approaches when they had Joshua Kelly, who went to the Chargers last year, I think in round four or five, and he, you know, was kind of the bell cow back. They used uh, Feltman more of that receiver role. And then obviously you kind of look forward to this year and he had 20 carry games. So then again, when I saw him running routes at the Senior Bowl, I felt like probably a receiver. He looked good, he looked natural excellent route running for somebody who theoretically doesn't have as much experience there. You know, he kind of made some of those defenders in Mobile look silly. And if that's the floor, right? I mean, if the fact that that he's sort of been limited in what he's run route wise and, you know, typically from the slot and everything else, I mean, who's to say that he can't be a a slot receiver slash, and especially if Aaron Jones were to, you know, sign elsewhere change up back to, to kind of the more thicker power runners they have. So I could, you know, I could see him doing a little bit of everything in that, you know, kind of James white for the Patriots, but also kind of uh, you, your typical slot receiver. He's, he's got some explosiveness to him.
2: Yeah. Don't forget that the first half of that 2017 Titans team uh, or the 2018 Titans team played a lot of Dion Lewis and yeah. uh, I just yeah. I just think that's worth pointing out. Deion Lewis, an undersized guy. And the reason Matt yeah. LaFleur wanted him out there was because he was less predictable based on what they wanted to do, based on based on personnel. You didn't know yeah. run or pass. When Derrick Henry was out there, they were probably gonna run it. And, yeah. you know, I, I think someone like Felton could be intriguing to Matt LaFleur. There's a bunch of guys in this draft, by the way, who have that sort of route running ability, that flexibility. Um I think they're gonna take one of those guys. If you're looking on day three, you didn't mention running back at the top, but if Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are out of there, and, you know they met with you know Jamar Jefferson. There are some guys, Javian Hawkins. There are some guys who you know could come in and play that complementary role. Are there any that you have your eye on a little bit?
0: Glad you mentioned Jefferson. I don't know that he's gotten a, enough love, and and you know he doesn't have that you know, he's not going to test through the roof as far as his 40-yard dash. And, you know, maybe even his, his, you know, his shuttle drills and all that are are good, but not great. But I still love his vision and his short area quickness. I really feel like he can, you know, escape traffic quickly and and get out of trouble and kind of run to daylight. That's what I see with him. So, yeah, he's absolutely, you know, somebody that I think you could – you could kind of pencil into that role. I'll give you a little bit of a sleeper, too. And he's a little bit of a different story. And he, You know, he wasn't used much this past season. Kind of came in my head as we were talking. But Chris Evans from Michigan, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I almost mentioned him out of, out of pity for the fact that he had like 12 carries last year. <laughs> but it was a weird deal they had at Michigan. They didn't really have an offensive identity. And, and prior to getting suspended for academic reasons – he was a really good back in, in 18. I mean, he was, you know, and this is a kid who took a side job delivering takeout food and stuff and was working out on his own. He wasn't a part of the program in 19. I, I really appreciate the commitment there for him. He's a neat story and he's got some really nice receiving ability and kind of an underrated change of pace runner. So yeah, there are a few of those guys who, who uh, I would say fit that role.
2: One position that we haven't talked about, and and then we can we can wrap up here is you mentioned defensive line and linebacker at the top. I want to hit on those two as we as we conclude this. So there is this group of backers at the top, and it seems like after that there's a pretty significant drop off. So if let's say the Packers go into this draft going, hey, we need to upgrade at this position, we need a talent infusion. Am I right in thinking that they probably have to do that in the first, or just basically punt on the position?
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I think there might eventually be some depth a little bit later on. Like, you know, there's a couple guys that I really liked who didn't make my top 100, but they were just on the outskirts. Names like Monty Rice from Georgia, um, KJ Britt from Auburn, Tony Fields from Arizona. Uh, there's one or two more. Pete Warner from Ohio State just got inside my top 100 so he's sort of in that third round range kind of the high floor you know maybe medium to low lower ceiling for a prospect but doesn't have a major weakness in his game then again I would be surprised if some team other than the Colts didn't take him you know I mean like I think he's probably gonna go in round three mm-hmm. like he just sort of has that typecast Colts uh, player I guess yeah. but uh but yeah I think that there, there's some truth to that I mean To me, I I see guys like Nick Bolton from Missouri and Chad Surratt from uh, UNC and Jabril Cox, Baron Browning. They're more second, maybe early third-round types. So outside of the Zayman Collins, Jeremiah Wusu, koromora Micah Parsons group, I still feel like there are some players you can get in that day-two range who bring the athleticism and the versatility and can still be pretty valuable.
2: What about defensive line because this is this is a weird year for for interior defensive line I, you know there maybe the best guy is Christian Barmore but uh, you know there's not a consensus at all about whether or not he's right. a first round pick so yep. you know is there someone even worth taking there in the first round my my theory just on not this class but but high level is just If you can't affect the quarterback with any sort of consistency, I cannot draft you as a defensive lineman in the first round unless you are special, special, special against the run.
0: Right, right. And I mean, even maybe even in the top 50, I would argue. Right, I agree with you. And, you know, that's it really is a beauty in the eye of the beholder group, in my opinion. Barmore, you know, you obviously saw the way he played down the stretch and in the national title game. If we saw a full season of that, I think he would have been a first rounder. He's a redshirt sophomore, so there's only you know so much uh, you know tape on him and such. Davion Nixon was kind of a part time player in nineteen, broke out in twenty. Same deal though, you know, limited season, uh, you know how much of it was is real, you know that sort of thing. Uh, Levi Andrique from was uh, Washington missed the season, so I'm glad
2: you said yeah, his name and I, I didn't have to.
0: Yeah, I didn't say it right, but I said it close enough, I think. But uh, whatever works at this point. Jay Tufele, I mean, there there are a lot of opt out. Tyler Shelvin is you know the big run stuffing type you just mentioned. You know, Dio Dengbo from for Vanderbilt, I love, but he tore his Achilles, you know, and now he's yeah. a big injury concern. So, I yeah, there there really are so many questions at this group. And again, had we had a full season, I think I might have liked this group a little bit more. But the the not knowing part really does hold me back. And uh, I I don't – other than Barmore and maybe Nixon, maybe um, the Washington kid, the top 50 options I think are very limited this year. So maybe it's the case that if they want
2: a defensive lineman, you got to do that in the first or or figure it out later or just wait until day three, something like that. If you love one of these guys – You know, maybe that's the way to do it when it all is is, um, you know, you're probably going to do what approximately 20 more mock drafts between now and um, (laughs) the actual draft as we stand Uh. right now, whether it's the the mock you're working on or the mock that that recently came out, um, where where do you have the Packers leaning right now?
0: Good question. I may have to do some quick uh, searching as we talk here. But yeah, I, I think my last one was on uh, February 9th, I want to say. So, so it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. In in draft terms, that's about uh, eight months, I want to say. But yeah, no, I, I I believe my first version back in October, I think I had them going uh Kadarius Tony but I've, I've since moved off of that and I believe I gave them Melifonwu the corner from Syracuse if, if memory serves so somebody can write in tell me I'm wrong or after mm-hmm. I you know <laughs> hang up with you I'll figure it out but I you know it not everybody views him as a first round pick it's it's he's got an alluring blend of size and athleticism and everything but You know, it's sort of hard to say whether he'll go in that range or maybe last a little bit longer. You know, we saw some of the corners drift into that round two, Jalen Johnson last year, and you know, uh, Diggs, I think, was the 50 second pick or something. So, you know, it wouldn't stun me if he he ended up going in that range. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think that my next mock is a good two, three weeks away. We wanted to get that first wave of free agency, you know so i'll have to i'll have to do some thinking in the meanwhile but yeah all those positions we mentioned would be you know likely candidates
2: i did confirm that you did have Melifonwu in that uh in that first spot so your, okay. your, your memory is good enough just behind the saints who took Kadarius tony which i think would make a lot no, of Packer fans very disappointed because tony <laughs> in this
0: offense i think would just be silly oh he would i mean he's he's you know, he's, he's got to convince people that he's reliable. He's got to convince people that he's durable, but, uh, th- you know, other than that, he can, you can put him in running back and put a receiver outside, inside, use him on reverses, uh, even deep stuff. I mean, he's, he's exciting.
2: This was great, Eric. Great way to kick off our, uh, our draft series, uh, with, uh, people who, who know this stuff better than me, uh, let my listeners know where they can find your work.
0: Yeah, head over to Yahoo Sports to check out the NFL page. You should see my work plastered across its uh, <laughs> its uh, page there. And then also on Twitter, Eric with a C, underscore Edholm, E-D-H-O-L-M. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. All right, man. All
2: right, I want to thank Eric again for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. A lot more to come later this week. And again, we're trying to do an NFL draft someone every week until the draft. So we are going to keep doing that. And if, if you want me to have your favorite person on, let me know who that person is. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brands? His warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer. You have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices of Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you.
3: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
2: All right, we're going to be back tomorrow, finishing up the week here as we head toward free agency, which is going to be here before you know it. It really is. I expect next week we will find out a full cap number um, and and there is optimism that it's going to be higher than that floor. Even 185 would be a, a pretty big help for a team like Green Bay. And if it gets you know to like 190, you know then maybe maybe they can use the franchise tag on Aaron Jones. Maybe they can afford to keep, to bring Preston Smith back. Maybe that's why Brian Gutekunst was a little bit more optimistic on some of that stuff. You know, he sounded like someone who who could decide that that Aaron Jones is worth the franchise tag. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. And I, I do think the, the salary cap is going to play a role in all that. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find a Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.